This is KPFT Houston, 90.1 FM and FM HD1. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. If you can plan barbecues and weddings, you can plan to protect yourself from a natural disaster. Sign up for local alerts, prepare an emergency kit, and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. I did not peak this week. Um, let's say 15% of students are dot, dot, dot. Great. Yeah. No, more than that, more than that, 100%. Yeah. Um, I think 15% of meals go to families on weekends. What meals I'm speaking of, I don't know. But I know we have someone from the food bank. So that is why I went with food. But we hope you'll be with us throughout this show as we continue to discuss the issues that affect the children of Houston and, of course, the children of Texas. Before we get started, we want to invite you to a free, free event on February 23rd. Pecky, do you want to tell them a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so it is the Immigration Town Hall, um, more specifically known as, or for a more specific title, Immigration Reform and the Impact on Children a town hall discussion. So nearly 17 million children in the United States have at least one foreign-born parent who is either a naturalized citizen, a lawful present immigrant, or undocumented immigrant. These immigrant children are particularly vulnerable and require special protections and under U.S. and international law. How do immigration policies impact immigrant children and what protections do they need? So this town hall will include some solutions some answers to those questions yeah some great conversations and that is february 23rd 5 to 7 30 p.m it does not have where but producer this is at rice university correct i don't know if i'm yes, getting the thumbs up is. but yes it is yeah. becky's got it if you need any more information just go on head to children at risk.org and it would be on the front page of the website Cool. So I don't know if we have music to lead us into our first recurring. Ah, here it comes. So good. So leading into our first reoccurring segment, we have thumbs up, thumbs down. What is the topic this week, Becky? Topic, four-day school week. Four-day school week. Are you thumbs up, thumbs down a four-day school week? 
I'm a thumbs up for four day work week, so <laughs> <laughs> I will be saying thumbs up for the school week as well. I will. Um, just a disclaimer: me and Becky do not have our own children, so we do not know the um, burden of a child needing to be in school five days a week. But I'm with her on pro four day work week, so that would in turn also equal school week in my mindset. What are some pros of a four day school week, Becky? So students and teachers get enough rest and can enjoy their longer weekends. Um, Another one could be schools that adopt this policy report that students have better grades, attendance, and mental health. So it's always a positive to have. I know, especially after this past year of burnout, attendance is already tanking in some areas still and trying to get students, teachers back in the classroom. It'll just be nice. Even if the teachers are allowed that fifth day to plan. I know there's some schools now doing a virtual day once a month, which is interesting. So it gives the teachers kind of a moment. The students are still engaged, but just from home and have that moment to kind of breathe from the bedroom, do their online work, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Another one could be uh, more time for creative freedom and exploration on potential career paths for students. I always think about like you go to college and you don't know what to do. You yeah, don't right? really know who you are yet. So this might give them a little bit more time and freedom to explore those. Yeah, they have so many CTE classes, but they kind of get lost if you're so um, stuck in trying to get your core curriculum finished before your end of the school year. So it would be nice to have that day just promoting that creativity. Like you said, there's so thousands of more options than when I was a senior in high school. Um, and so giving those students the freedom to explore. There are some cons. Um, the first one we are not shy to, and that's access to child care. So having the difficulty of where the children go because that would be probably before our four-day work week dream is the four-day school week what else extracurriculars could be lost but i do think it'd be helpful and there actually has been data released on all the companies that went to a four-day work week i just saw it on twitter and i don't have the source but i'm sure someone listening knows what i'm talking about um how the companies saw uh, no loss in revenue and work morale their retention was higher and I think only or only a eight percent or was yeah eight percent companies went back to five day, but ninety two percent after the study decided to remain four day work week. Yeah, and I guess an issue that might come up with that is where is this becoming a burden for teachers to fit in all the curriculum in four days, or are we going to have longer school years? Yeah, it would be interesting if you're a teacher listening. I'm sure you have many tasks at the moment. But if you want to call in and give your input, we are always looking for callers. That's 713-526-5738. Press 1 to donate. We'll talk about pledging later. And press 2 to talk to us about either thumbs up, thumbs down, or join the conversations later on. Before we jump into our next guest, though, do you want to tell them a little bit about how they can pledge and why it's important? Yeah. <laughs> I'll say the number while we're pulling up the importance. It's 713-526-5738 and you press 1 to pledge. And then you could also give on on kpfd.org. Um so you could become a member right now or change your annual membership to a sustaining one. There's different ways to give and again because KPFT is a community station and it supports all these communities and local radio hosts. There's so many people yeah. who can come and spread important information. KPFT lets their hosts have a lot of agency in what we say and the important issues we bring to the table. So it's an awesome, awesome station, and you should all consider donating. They take all forms of payment. We don't have Dwight here, but usually he lists the 400 credit services that you could pay from but i'm sure you can go and scroll through that list yourself um but again that's 713-526-5738 and we are ready it seems for our first call-in guest on the line with us we have sarah is it lansa director of emerge hisd hi sarah how are you hi how are you guys we are doing Super well. excited to be here. Yeah, we're so excited. We were just talking. We would love to have your opinion and then jump more into Emerge. Our thumbs up, thumbs down topic was a four-day school week. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down a four-day school week? That one is tough. I agree it that is. a four-day uh, four work week would be amazing. Yes. Um, I've seen 
I've seen how difficult it is for the moms on my team um, when their children have the day off and they don't. Right. And they usually have to take the day off um, because in HISD we don't have, like, hybrid work. Um, We have to be in person. Right. So until that changes, I feel like I'm a thumbs down, unfortunately. But if if it changes, I'm a thumbs up. I I am with you. Pro four-day work week first, and then we we go to the school second. (laughs) Awesome. Well, can you, speaking of school, HISD has so, so many really cool programs intertwined and Emerge is not necessarily now, from my understanding, just in HISD, but started in the district. Can you give us a little background Mm -hmm. on what Emerge looks like? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm the director of Emerge in the Houston Independent School District, and uh, it did start in HISD but has since expanded to um, four other districts. So it's in Klein ISD, Aldine ISD, Spring ISD, and Spring Branch ISD. Um, So that's super exciting. Um, I manage our operations within um, HISD, but it's been really exciting, and we collaborate with our nonprofit partner. It's called the Emerge Fellowship. Um, So, you know, when our founder, Rick Cruz, started Emerge, he, um, he really wanted it to be able to expand. So that's why he let it. He, the superintendent at that time wanted Emerge to be a HISD program. Mm-hmm. So he agreed, and then you know we started within HISD, um, but he kept a nonprofit alive because he wanted it to expand. Yeah, that's so, awesome. And how many students mm-hmm. are, or is it impacting currently in HISD alone? Yeah, in HISD, it's a little over seven hundred students. So we have uh, 350 students per grade level, um, and we recruit students in their 10th grade year, and then they start programming their junior year. Um, So 350 students per grade level. Very cool. And can you give a little background on what Emerge is as a program for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, so Emerge... Um, we Our mission statement is that we empower and prepare high-performing students from underserved communities to attend and graduate from selective colleges and universities across the nation. So essentially, we are, um, we are taking students from really every HISD high school, and um, we're looking for students that have they've done well in their classes, They've been challenging themselves, so they're taking um, whatever rigorous courses are available to them at the high school. They have this hunger, mm-hmm. hunger for knowledge, hunger for opportunities, um, and what we really do is give them access to information. Um, there are a lot of colleges out there that provide really generous um, financial aid that students aren't aware of and right. are not talked about as often in in uh, college centers on high school campuses. Um, So that's something that we really focus on. We do a lot of research into which colleges um, offer that generous financial aid and our graduating students at really high rates. So we do that research and then we expose our students to those college options and then support them in crafting their applications. So if they're not very involved in extracurricular activities, which I know is something you guys were talking about with <laughs> yeah. the four four day um, you know school week, then we're helping them figure out what would you want to be involved in. We do a lot around uh, summer opportunities. How can they spend their summers and make the most out of it? Um, so we're just supporting them in in creating applications where they can present their best selves. Um, and then just helping them with figuring out which schools could be a good fit for them. Yeah, like you said, and I know it's at the core of Emerge, but so many students have the inspiration or have the idea at a very, maybe what they saw on a TV show level, in a movie, or just a family member, mm-hmm. but don't have the opportunity, which would Emerge kind of fills that gap. If you, Sarah, could place any piece of curriculum, resource, et cetera, knowledge piece into the minds of every high school student in Houston or across Texas, what would you hope each of them could gain as a pocket of knowledge that you see Mm. is the lack in this opportunity gap? Yeah, I mean, I I would love for them to have access to, we, we have this database of schools that we encourage our students to apply to. I would love for them to just see that database and see all of the great colleges that are out there that provide 100% 
you know, need-based financial aid for, for students. I would love for families to see that resource. Um, I think it's just a lot of uh, a gap in knowledge right now of all the colleges out there that could right. support them. Right. So and I would Sarah, love for, yeah. You did mention um, how you are able to, like, go through different schools across HISD and see these high-performing students. How do you get those students to get connected with Emerge? You know, is there a recruitment going around or is there, mm-hmm. um, like, Word of mouth. a reach out, yeah. you know? How does that work? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great question because we actually opened our application um, last well, on February fifteenth. Yeah, last oh, week. Perfect. Um, so yeah. So <laughs> Any parents out there listening? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So we're currently looking for uh, current sophomores to apply to emerge. Um, like I said, we're at every single high school right now. We're focused on getting the word out um, to campuses and to students. Um, but we are going to start doing information sessions on campuses awesome. in March and April, so after spring break. Yep, um, and we are going to take like a few a few campuses to visit Rice University. Oh, awesome! Um, so mm-hmm. we're yeah, so we're focusing on some campuses that um, we've had lower applications from. So the uh, you know the word about emerge doesn't spread as much. Mm-hmm. Um, at some campuses, it really spreads, um, and then at other campuses, right. that you know, it just doesn't spread as much. So we're really focusing on those campuses and uh, just putting in a little more effort, taking them to Rice and having a full day of programming with them. Yeah, well, it's awesome too, and it leaves a little bit for the counselors as well. Just thinking about how much mm-hmm. our counselors at the school I was at and. Aldean ISD poured into students and we had different programs, but it's always great to exhaust all options because some students, um, like you said, just don't understand the amount of opportunity college wise Mm -hmm. that's out there, especially out of state might not even have toured college campuses. So it's exciting to hear that y'all are able to provide that to these students. So I thank you. We also take them on college trips in the summer. Um, so to your point, you know, we we take them out of Houston and they get to visit just different regions of the U.S. and the college trip is free to the students. Uh, so it's a really great opportunity for them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you for all that you're doing through Emerge. And we look forward to continuing to connect and hear about the strong impact of this program. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Taylor Swift, Becky, are you a Taylor Swift fan? I am. The answer is yes. I'm Which not <laughs> not a fan. You know what okay, I'm I'll, you I'll take that and I'll run with it. You didn't fight Ticketmaster for tickets, but you'll go if it's available. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, you hit it right on. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm a good a good indicator of what level <laughs> Taylor Swift fan people are. Um, well, we are excited to talk about Eat Drink Houston. I love to eat and drink around Houston, so this is a fun opportunity. A lot of people know it as Restaurant Week, um, or at least a lot of my friends. Becky, what do you know about Eat Drink Houston? Well, I know that there's a casual dining aspect to it um, right. compared to the Restaurant Week. I believe it's less... It's a little bit lower, but it's still benefiting um, Houston Food Bank and Children at Risk. Right. Like I said, Restaurant Week Part 2. Sorry, that was my (laughs) mistake. Um, But it's a lot of fun. So there's, if you go to producer, eatdrinkhouston or org. Uh, either one if you look it up we don't know the exact website at the moment but eat drink htx once you search it'll come up so it is benefiting some really good causes and similar to formal restaurant week there's condensed menus across restaurants for brunch lunch and dinner and to go options so you actually do not need to cook through the end of eat drink htx we have got you covered and what i love about it is um it's also dog friendly at times where um you could look for patio dining you know yeah where can i take my dog and instead of leaving him at home you know yeah he can go eat drink it's yeah. htx.com sorry i got the right answer thank you rebecca um but yeah no it's really fun i actually ended up going to local foods the other day and didn't even know that they were participating or forgot just my mind and i saw the menu so a lot of these places have it out already for you i saved a few dollars and tried two new menu items i've never had and they were delicious 
delicious. If you go get the beet salad and you will thank me 100 times over, it is the best thing ever. And there is a variety of like restaurants, different cuisines, um, you know, get out of your comfort zone a little bit, benefit charities, you know. Yeah. It's it's such a good cause and you're (laughs) eating and enjoying food. So yeah, you're helping others and filling your stomach. And they also have the menus posted on the website, eatdrinkhtx.com. And that would allow you to peek if you have any allergies, vegetarian options, vegan options, etc. So go ahead and check it out. You still have a few days left to participate and go eat local, support some really good causes, including children at risk, Houston Food Bank, and many others. And so uh, we are going to move on, as you all are, of course, on the website looking at where to eat. We're going to have data of the day. Layla, how are you? I'm great. That music always gets me hyped. I know. It's the best, I think, debatably music, transition music of the show. Can't go wrong with Beyonce. (laughs) No, never. Can never go with Beyonce, though I have not got tour tickets yet. So the countdown to that is still coming. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that. I know. Were you successful, Layla? I didn't try, to be honest. I don't really do concerts because I don't do crowds. Oh, that Um, is a terrible place to go if you don't like crowds (laughs) at concert. (laughs) But I'm similarly competitive is trying to get um, camp spots or uh, backpacking permits in the state of California. So that's been my ticket master battle. Oh, interesting. I know it's very intense in like a silent room with just you and your computer, but you're silently battling a lot. It really is. Heart pounding. (laughs) Yeah. So we have our date of the day. We had terrible guesses. I don't know if you heard. They were okay. But we have 15%. (laughs) We both went for something around children. But go ahead and tell us what that number means. Yeah. So 15%. um, 50% of all of the children in Harris County are living in hunger. That is jarring. Yeah. What does that equate to number-wise, 15%? How many children? Oh, I wish I had that number in oh, front of me. Okay. Um, I, I could probably pull it up for you relatively quickly. Um, but um, in order to avoid our listeners waiting for me to scroll through a bunch of data. Yeah, you are um, fine. <laughs> I can break it down for you demographically. Um So the numbers are significantly worse for children of color. Um, 25% of black children in Harris County experience hunger and 18% of Latino children experience hunger compared to 7% of white children, um, which, you know, is a stark disparity and we don't want any children living in hunger. Um, But those numbers do show, you know, the ongoing effects of structural racism. Right, and just the lack of equity across all buckets. I know we do, or we're at the cusp of a new food rankings, and we've done it a few years, but thinking about schools, how important are schools, community programs, after-school programs, in helping bring this percentage down? Oh, huge. I mean, it's often that a child's most nutritious and filling meal of the day is going to be at school. Um, And so the more that we can expand school meal programs to make sure that children are getting three square meals a day um, is really, really important. Right, right. And thinking of, I know there's a couple programs, I can't think of the names, but meals, meals for kids, maybe kids packs, packs, packs meals, Um, but they provide children and their families with weekend meals. So not just the child, but the family at home um, who either are not old enough for school or have moved out of school um, over the age. So parents or older siblings. So those programs are also super important to support um, in fighting hunger. (laughs) Layla, this reminds me of kind of the inequity report that just was released. Um, Is there more information on um, like hunger in Houston and children and the inequality it has in this report? Yeah. So um, there is more info about um, children across the state of Texas in our inequality report. And then these Harris County numbers are going to be published live in our upcoming growing up in Houston report. 
Yeah, and I know we see the impacts, too, of not just the needing of meals, but hungry kids cannot learn. And so making sure not only they have meals at home, but it's affecting their focus. And really, I would assume, based on the report, I don't want to pull data I don't have yet, but cross-sections into a lot of other buckets of the child's life. Numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, kids, kids need their basic needs met before they can thrive. Um, so whether that's academic success, social success, all of these different opportunities for kids, if they are hungry, they are not going to be able to show up as their best selves. Yes, yes, right. And then Layla, just because now I'm curious, we, I don't know if you're listening for thumbs up, thumbs down, talked about a four day school week. And so I'd be curious on what you think about this in regards to it possibly being when the child gets a nutritious meal. Well, I think the biggest thing for me about a four-day school week is it can't happen independently of a four-day work week right. um, because parents rely on schools not only for kids to get the meals that they need, but also, you know, while they're at work, childcare is extremely um, expensive and quality childcare is hard to come by. Um, and so if kids are in school four days a week, but parents are at work five or more days a week, that's going to create a big problem for parents. Um, you know, and if we can move to a four day work week and people would be able to afford to live without any loss in income, I think a four day work week and a four day school week would be great. Um, but I don't think we can move in that direction until we have workplace standards to match. That is very important to start with. Layla, thank you so much. We always love talking to you every week and hope you have a great day and are successful with your backpacking slash ticket master. Um, <laughs> I hope you get your Beyonce ticket. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Bye, Layla. We cannot do any of this without the support of our listeners. Becky, how can they support us yeah. in this next week? You can call by call uh, 713-526-5738 uh, and then press 1. Or you could give online at kpft.org. So imagine KPFT with no variety music. It's a terrible thought. It's a terrible thought. Um, So where else would you experience the biggest variety of music? So with so many genres, I promise you, you won't find anything like it anywhere else on the radio. So please help support us. There is no other growing up in America's existing worldwide, I believe. (laughs) That is a big (laughs) statement, but not one with me and Becky. I could say that. So make sure to support and keep us as well as so many other great shows on the air. We have Katie Stone with us on the phone. Katie, how are you? How are you? We're good. We talked a little bit about Eat Drink Houston, but I strongly believe you could do a better pitch for us and tell our listeners um, kind of a little bit more of how it supports their community and the number of restaurants participating. Yeah, for sure. So Eat Drink HTX is the sister event to Houston Restaurant Weeks. Um, Houston Restaurant Weeks, of course, you all are familiar with, uh, happens every August 1st through Labor Day and supports the Houston Food Bank. This event was the event that my mother had been working on in the last few years of her life. Um, She had identified the last two weeks of February as being a slow time for businesses here in Houston, well, restaurants specifically. Um, And she had been talking to Dr. Bob um, about some ways to, to help out. And so we actually put this in play last year. So this is the second year. It's identical to Houston Restaurant Weeks, um, except this is a casual dining version. So it's lower price point mm-hmm. and two courses instead of three. And then, of course, a lower donation. So what it does is it gives not only diners and restaurants the, the ability to, um, you know, participate um, in, in giving back, but, you know, it really just kind of, uh, you know, helps put eyes and, and shines a light on, you know, all of these other dining options in Houston that you may have not, you know, heard of before. Right. I was just saying, I've been to local foods 101 times over, but I was excited to see that they were participating um, unknowingly and then ordered two dishes I've never had and they were delicious. So it's exciting to also go back to the places you've been and and try some new menu items. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, a lot of restaurants 
uh, you know, they put their best sellers on the menu, but a lot of times they'll try out some new dishes and that, that sounds like it might be something that happened. Um, and it's just a great way to, you know, bring some new faces into the restaurant, help them out during a slow time, you know, last two weeks of February. Um, and then of course, supporting children at risk and Houston food bank. And it's just a wonderful opportunity for restaurants to connect and, and have a way to connect to their community. It isn't always the easiest thing you know, for them to do. And and coincidentally, I'll actually be at local food tomorrow morning. Uh, during the go back. Live on Fox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> live on Fox 26 for, uh, we'll take a look at their menu. So that's, that's pretty great that you, uh, that you were there and had a good experience. I know I was telling the listeners to get the beet salad. So while you're there, if you could try oh, that, that <laughs> I think revolutionary. Yeah, I have to go try it. <laughs> you know, love I, beet. Oh, then you're gonna love it because I I'm a huge <laughs> beet fan in that one. Okay, I, good. No, I'll be sure to 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 hold that one up on camera tomorrow morning. <laughs> but, uh, beet lovers, you know, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And how long do the listeners have? You said the through the end of February. Yes. So this event will run every year from February 15th through the 28th. So right after Valentine's Day, and then it stops right before Rodeo gets officially kicked off. So same dates every single year, just like Houston Restaurant Week. Very, very awesome. I am excited to see this continue to grow bigger and bigger and really encourage everyone to get out there. Like I said, it's breakfast, lunch, dinner options, to-go options, patio filter options. So... There is no yeah, excuse. And, lo- and lots more coming, too. Lots more. We've got a lot of really cool updates coming to the website this year because it's the HRW 20th anniversary. So, um, yeah, keep your eyes on that. And we also are doing daily gift card giveaways over on the Eat, Drink, HTX Instagram. So that's that's pretty cool as well. And there's almost 140 restaurants participating. So pretty awesome. Very cool. Well, I would also you. like to say okay. real quick that Eat, Drink, HTX is all over Houston. It's not just in the Houston area, but I mean, it obviously is, but it's also like in the Umbo area, Spring area, you know, mm-hmm. Webster area. Oh, cool. So if you are not around in the Houston downtown area, you can Don't definitely, fret. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Anywhere, like anywhere in Montgomery County, anywhere in Harris County, anywhere in Galveston County. Um, and there's a ton of areas that are represented. I mean, we have restaurants out in Richmond, you know, out West participating, we have Pearland restaurants. We have Spring, Woodlands, Sugarland. Um, we've got some some Edo restaurants. So, and I think there's even one that's even further east too. So yeah, they are widely represented. And I mean, you know, just think about how many different types of cuisines. I mean, we have a right. Bosnian restaurant participating. Did you guys know there was Bosnian food? In <laughs> I, I I did it? not. <laughs> we are excited. Thank you so much, Katie. We are going to jump and actually talk to Arthur. So conversation's not over. All of these lines are being crossed So we have Arthur. Is it Moradian? Moradian? Moradian. Moradian. Close. Arthur is here to continue to talk about Eat, Drink, HTX. Arthur, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you ladies doing? We are doing well. Doing great. <laughs> we are enjoying the conversation. Um, Arthur, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Beth Hospitality and the Cleverly Stone Foundation? And also just a little bit about your experience with Eat, Drink, HTX. Yeah, I've, uh, I, I'm the Vice President of Operations for Berg Hospitality uh, here in Houston. Uh, I'm also on the board of the uh, Cleverly Stone Foundation. So I've been involved with uh, Houston Restaurant Weeks uh, pretty much since inception with uh, Cleverly Stone. Uh, and uh, just like uh, Katie mentioned, uh, to the latter part of uh, Cleverly's uh, life, you know, we had a lot of conversations about uh, creating another event that really catered to other restaurants that were slightly lower in price point Right. that could also have the opportunity to showcase their menus. And so we always talked about February, you know, right around Valentine's Day is where a lot of the restaurants get really busy and some of the casual, more casual dining restaurants don't get as much business, and then the the dining out kind of slows down a little bit because I think people are, are anticipating the rodeo. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was kind of felt like the last two weeks of February would be a good week for us, uh, you know, to, to do uh, the event. And um, Katie rolled it out last year, and 
you know, she came in and took over uh, for Cleverly and has done an amazing job. And um, this is the second year and it's doing, it's doing great. And just uh, seeing the participation of all the restaurants, uh, you know, there's some restaurants that have uh, had the opportunity to participate in both in Houston Restaurant Weeks as well as uh, Eat Drink Houston, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. But this was really designed for restaurants at a slightly lower price point, again, to showcase what they can do and also to have an opportunity to give back to the community. Yeah. Uh, which is important to a lot of restaurants. Yeah, for sure. Not only is it supporting good causes, but just thinking about keeping these restaurants doors open, especially those who might, it's been a couple of years, but post COVID some had to shut down and these restaurants have kept going. So it's important to get exactly. out there. I know Katie at the end was mentioning some restaurants, but do you have anywhere that we could tell the listeners that they should look out for, check out um, during this last couple of days, during these last couple of days of restaurants? Well, uh, of course. I mean, I, I obviously, uh, first and foremost would be our two of our restaurants that are participating, one being BB Lemon, uh, which is on Washington, uh, and then the other one being Nopo, which is on North Post Oak. Um, we've got some, you know, one of the things that we've done differently uh, is that we really expand our menu. We really mm-hmm. have a lot of choices. You know, there's there's requirements to do uh, to get into the restaurant and then the Eat Drink Houston but we've really expanded the menu and made a lot of our uh, menu items that are our popular items available. So I uh, definitely uh, highly recommend visiting uh, BB Lemon and uh, Nopo for sure. And what are we what are we getting from the menu? What's your top choice from both their menus? So for uh, BB Lemon, uh, for example, we have, gosh, I think there is uh, eight choices for oh, first wow. course. Um there is uh, the watermelon salad is absolutely amazing. It's with feta, <laughs> cheese, olives, tomatoes, and mint. That's my personal favorite. It sounds um, like it's going to be mine. It's really, really good. And then we have, I think, another 10 or 12 choices for, uh, for dinner uh, uh, for as far as the main course. Uh, again, one of my personal favorites is the lemon chicken wrap uh, with a pesto and, some again, some feta cheese, which is really good. We have a salmon BLT, which is oh, wow. amazing, uh, with a fried egg on top. Um, so a lot of great choices. Very good. Uh, I know you're getting – I'm hungry. <laughs> I, I love this week only this and then the other partner restaurant week just because it forces you to try new restaurants. But also since it's a limited menu, I always go for sure. the same menu item in different fonts at every restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. That so, is nice. Yeah, I heard, you, I heard you speak about beet salad. Nope, but we have a pretty amazing beet salad as oh, well. You, you gotta go sold that one. one. <laughs> I, I love worth a try. Yeah, it's also great just for families, date nights. It's just one price. Try something new. Exactly. Awesome. So that's BB exactly. Lemon and No Poo for everyone listening. All right. Thank you so much, Arthur, exactly. for joining us. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We look forward thank to you. the conclusion of this week. Yep. Wonderful. Appreciate right. it. Thanks for your time. have Susanna with us. Susanna is a Texas A-plus performance coach. How are you, Susanna? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We are fantastic. Yes. We are hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <Excuse> <laughs> <me>. All <laughs> we've been talking about is, well, a lot of what we're talking about is Eat, Drink, HTX. Have you tried any restaurants, Susanna? Not yet, but I have a wish list of places that um, my husband and I would like to go visit for a day date. So I'm really excited to try, especially some of these dishes that you guys have been talking about. I know. If you don't think I have a list written down right now, I will be there trying them as well. But Susanna, we are here to talk about chat GPT. Can you give us some information on what that is? Absolutely. So chat GPT is a form of artificial intelligence. So usually if you type something into Google, like how to make a cupcake, Google searches the internet and brings you back tons of different web pages that give you cupcake recipes, um, bloggers about cupcakes, images of cupcakes. But with ChatGPT, what it does is it's actually been fed a bunch of information already by not only people, but um, databases, articles. And so if you say, write me a cupcake recipe, it will write you a recipe from scratch. 
So it's not like mm-hmm. copying something and it's on the internet. It's actually creating something based on everything it knows about cupcakes and how to make one. That, I think you just gave me my next uh, internet web series idea is to bake recipes <laughs> based on chat GPT. That is so interesting. How is this impacting the classroom, Susanna? So um, especially at the middle school and the high school level, there's definitely a lot of concern about students plagiarizing responses using chat GPT. One of the things that makes chat GPT both great and also very scary is that it is able to replicate responses that sound genuine and authentic like it's been written by a human. So um, a lot of times, this is not something you can run through a plagiarism checker. It's not to see if it's been copied and pasted from somewhere off the internet because it's brand new. So there is a lot of concern about is the, you know, the, the essay they've written, is that really theirs or is it from somewhere else? And what kind of, where is that information coming from? Right. Yeah, we have a poem here um, re- written by a high school teacher that tried ChatGPT, and uh, it written down. It says, "Roses are red, violets are blue. I hope you study hard, or you'll be feeling blue too." So it was told to write a poem about school, and pretty like I would be very pretty I would impressed. My teacher yeah. wrote that. <laughs> I'd be like, cool. "Wow, you're so clever, teacher." <laughs> I know. Well, it's scary to think about. Well, I don't know how it works with like sourcing citations, yeah. so I'm sure that could be caught. But it is, like you said, written like a human. So thinking about college admission essays, you could just say, here's a little bit and run with it. And like, then where are we on validity of any student writing skills if they get their hands? Do you see in, I know you work with the younger kids, but in the conversations maybe with their siblings or the teachers, older siblings, um, this already being an issue in any school of students running with these bots? So I think um, right now we see it as an issue where kids are trying to, um, well, they're succeeding in turning in assignments that are not their work. Mm-hmm. But at the middle school level, especially, it's easier to catch because if you ask the student to read it out loud and they can't pronounce some of the words, that's a pretty good indication that they didn't write it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a kindergartner using exponentially might flag something. <laughs> yes. Um, but on the, on the teacher side, there's actually some really great um, ways you can work G- chat GPT into everyday instruction. So for the little little ones, um, so kindergarten and first grade, when they're starting to read, they learn how to read something called a decodable text. And what a decodable text is, is that it has words that follow certain patterns of language that make it a lot easier to read than, let's say, a regular book you would pick up. So uh, ChatGPT, if I type into it, can you please write me a decodable text on the water cycle using only words that are consonant, vowel, consonant words? It'll do it. That. It's amazing, actually. <laughs> it's like creating yeah. tests and resources on the fly for teachers. Can it yes, make tests? And I, and I actually, it can. So I actually put in, um, can you write like three inferencing questions that are based off the fourth grade state Texas? And it took about three seconds and it gave me three passages with multiple choice questions and answers. Oh. That is, Three and seconds. It, it writes it or does it pull it from its resources? Actually, I don't know if that matters, it, but <laughs> it actually does write it on its own. It uses um, basically they use what they call a feedback model. So it has human trainers, and anytime they view a response as like, oh, this sounds right or it sounds authentic, they'll give it positive feedback, and it knows to keep developing responses that look more and more like that. This is incredible. It's also going to be interesting. I feel like they've already started college syllabus under their academic honesty section. I feel like they're going to add something with chat GPT. But like you said, I wonder how you can even catch it from the teacher end. But being a former teacher, having something that can help, especially English teachers, literacy teachers, write text quickly for you. That's a pretty powerful tool to have. Absolutely. And one of the other things is, is that you can use chat, B- chat GPT, like the text it produces, 
as a study on tone and word choice. So, for example, Vanderbilt University, um, one of their departments released a letter to students about the shooting that was at Michigan State University. And it's a lovely letter about togetherness and community. And at the bottom, it said paraphrased from chat GPT, which if you're thinking through the lens of an English teacher about um, word choice, Right. It Mm -hmm. sounded very clinical. It wasn't very like heartwarming. It didn't take into account who it was writing to. And they made sure to leave that same letter and revise it based on the audience. Very interesting that it's going to it's going to be interesting. Almost it's definitely removing the human from any kind of empathetic wording. Um, Or is there a option where you can add those I know, emotional... add more emotion. Now yeah. I'm thinking of people using them for college essays. This is going to be interesting to see where it expands. But we'll be looking and I'm going to be more positive and say this is going to help a lot of teachers and parents and tutors and specialists in creating materials to help education. More than harm. Absolutely. It can, it can help them create materials and um, just use those responses to evaluate and create models. And just a fun fact, I actually used ChatGPT this morning to write an entire radio show about oh, wow. its creation. <laughs> and you didn't send it. We could, have, we could have thrown it at the end. This entire show was actually scripted by ChatGPT. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Susanna. We'll let you get back to the classroom. And thank you for the work you're doing for all of our Texas children. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Speaking of going back, eat, drink, HTX, we have Brian Green with the Houston Food Bank. Brian, how are you? Hi, Claire. Doing good. Claire, how are you doing? We are good. We are good. So can you first just tell us a little bit, maybe I think most of our listeners might know about the food bank, but not the power of the food bank in size and in capacity. And so just shining a little bit on the Houston Food Bank specifically. Okay, I'll do that part real quick. So the, yeah. the food bank, we take, capture the surplus food in the country. Uh, there's a 200 feeding American food bank. That's what we do. And it turns out there's a lot of it. And so the rate at which in Houston we are just capturing and distributing uh, the food is works out to 14 tractor trailer loads of food per day. Awesome. Um, so we try and help our food insecure neighbors in, uh, in 18 counties around Houston. And we are a volunteer machine. Uh, with hundreds of volunteers a day, and that's what makes it possible for us to do so much. Yeah, that's awesome. And correct me if I'm wrong, the Houston Food Bank is one of the largest nationwide? Yeah, it actually is the largest. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, we built it, you know, basically kind of a platform that we could really get the community of so many people come in to volunteer, and that enabled us to say yes to more food opportunities than any other food, food bank could. And then that has also helped us uh, kind of get a reputation for people to say this is a good way to invest. So that we get the food, the, the money to go, you know, pursue all these food opportunities around the country. Right. And I think, or some might assume, especially growing up or just as a young adult, the food bank is mainly a resource for families to go grab food and leave. But people don't really see or hear about too much the programmatic work past that and how much impact the food bank has. Can you talk about some of the programs through the Houston Food Bank? Sure. Um, and so the greatest thing that we do is, is we are very heavily into collaborations. Mm-hmm. We kind of see ourselves primarily as we're logistics with a mission. And so what we want them to do is support great programs. Um, so uh, we have 1,600 distribution partners. They're the ones actually working deep in the communities. But more and more what we're trying to do with that is support initiatives that are designed to help people uh, have more prosperous, healthier lives. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we work with uh, many area health clinics, uh, other health services. We do what we call food prescriptions, where we have uh, utilized our produce resources. Now, we're distributing six-plus tractor-trailer loads of produce a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's actually a resource if they're trying to help a family uh, change their wellness, which will impact also their health costs and uh, you know, need on the system. Uh, we think that we can be both a resource and an incentive. 
Yeah. Uh, we also work with area community colleges and universities doing what we call food scholarships, where the idea is not just to be a source of emergency food, but rather to be a reliable um, support, uh, kind of like a, like a cash scholarship would be, where they know that, okay, I've got this resource, and that takes a little pressure off and makes it easier for them to juggle the, the part-time job and while they're going to school and family and everything and, and still graduate. And Brian, you talked about um, the hundreds of volunteers that make make the Houston Food Bank work. Um, how do you get involved? Like, what are ways to give? What are ways to, um, you know, volunteer? Can you give us more on that? Oh, it's yeah, pretty straightforward. The best way, just go to the website, HoustonFoodBank.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a volunteer tab, and you register, and you, you pick your shift. Uh, there's all kinds of different projects that you could end up doing. Um, everything from we get uh, donated, you know, giant bags uh, called super sacks, two thousand pounds <laughs> like rice or beans, and that's got to be repackaged. You might be in the kitchen unitizing the, the hot meals that we produce for after-school programs and daycare centers. And is, uh, you might be sorting salvaged, damaged goods from the grocery stores. Is there different ways to give um, uh, apart from of- volunteering? Yes. Well, sure, and one of the great ways, like yeah. Beverly Stone Foundation, is added again with uh, Eat Drink HTX, uh, which is uh, a new wrinkle on the uh, Houston Restaurant Weeks, and this is for casual dining. And uh, when you do that, uh, you know, a portion of that goes to support Children at Risk and Houston Food Bank. And then I know that you also have the teacher's aid. So is it possible for those to donate school supplies year-round for that project? Yes, it is. Um, uh, so the Teachers Aid program, what we do is we support the schools uh, where we have like our Kids Cafe program, mm-hmm. um, and or not not Kids Cafe, but rather the Backpack program. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the teachers there, so those are generally lower income schools, mm-hmm. um, and uh, those teachers are having to spend a lot of money on supplies, and that's mm-hmm. not enough. And what we do is we pursue the office supply, school supply type donations in bulk, um, and then we provide that as a resource for those teachers. Um, yes, you can donate school supplies. Yeah, probably, you know, we actually get in our best return on the on, on the dollars. We're pursuing those from the manufacturers and the right, distribu- right. And, and distributors. Just um, curious. So it, you can do it, uh, and we'll be happy to take them. Um, but quite frankly, cash goes a lot further. Right, right. And uh, speaking of going back to donations, sorry, I love the food bank. I love hearing about your programs. I want to make sure the community hears about all that y'all are doing. You mentioned, we've mentioned it quite a bit, Eat, Drink, HTX. So it also is benefiting the food bank. Can you talk a little bit about how that money just by going to eat out can really impact a family? Yeah, so the 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 greatest uh, leverage that we now have, you know, on the dollar uh, you know, is actually produce. And we want to get to the point of distributing that 70% of our output is fresh produce. And uh, the Cloverleaf Stone Foundation is a major reason why we can do that. So the way it works is uh, we approach uh, farms and packing houses and say, look, the the produce that you can't sell, what they call their number twos. Mm -hmm. Number two is it's not that it's decayed or it's not as good. It's It's just not as pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Imperfect, ugly produce. You call it. There's billions of pounds of that. Right. And so we go to them and say, hey, you know, you've got a whole bunch. Can you donate that? And they say, yeah, I'll give it to you. But I'm not going to lose money to pick and bag it for you. And so mm-hmm. we say, great, we'll pay that cost. So we pay what's called a pick and pack out cost, and then we pay for the transportation to get it to us. We can land a load of about 40,000 pounds of produce, which is about $40,000 worth of produce. Right. Uh, it costs us about like $6,000 a pop, six to $8,000. So it's great return on the dollar. And it's almost unlimited, the opportunities. And that's where we dedicate the money uh, that we get through Eat Drinks, HTX, and Houston Restaurant Weeks. Right. And that is awesome. And it's so important. Fresh produce in the homes, aside from the canned and grained goods, are very important as well. But being able to put those fresh produce. And all the community has to do is go to their local restaurants on eatdrinkhtx.com and pick one to go support so, Brian, we have five fun questions we're going to ask. We ask all of our guests towards the end of the show. Is it cool if we start with those? 
Okay. Let's see, <laughs> see if I can get the answers correct. correct I know. There actually are correct. No, there are. There are. <laughs> and I don't have to answer in the form of a question, right? <laughs> I know. That's... It's $6,000 on the line. Like, <laughs> <laughs> did you yeah. get the first? Yeah. Uh, so, growing up, what did you want to be? You know, like... Oh, you know, uh, I, there was this movie called Born Free. Uh, it was about some, I don't know, some lions in Kenya, and I wanted to be a game warden in Kenya. Oh, you're, you're close, but I don't, I don't know if your job is too many lions you're chasing okay. uh, in Kenya. Number two, what is your favorite book to read or to be read as a child? Uh, to read or be, be read as a child, uh, God, there's so many. We've so, so enjoyed uh, re- reading the kids, and the ones that were in series. So like, uh, oh, yeah. um, of course, the Harry Treehouse. Potter books. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Matt. Yeah, we did. Oh yeah, we did. I don't know how many of those dang magic yeah, treehouses. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like possessions at the school <laughs> library. <laughs> you had to... Awesome. No, but almost like yeah. It was just so much fun doing that, especially as the kids got older and the stories got better. Right. All right. Uh, next question: What actor would play you in your the movie of your life? Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, definitely. Oh, he's was, in. He would be in he Kenya. Had it in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I may as well. I may as well like that, you know. I know it's a movie. I remember that. Not <laughs> it's just symbolic. It's just symbolic. <laughs> Number four. Do you have a comfort movie or TV show? And if so, what is it? A comfort one. I don't know if I've got anything right now. Uh, so comfort one. Game of Thrones. There you go. It that's is. A, that's a good you know, one. And then Becky, although the you know, Pulp Fiction, there, there's a comfort. Oh, yeah, it's, really, <laughs> it's like a hug. All right, and then last question. It's a little hard one for me. Uh, who motivates you in life? Who motivates me in life? Aside from Arnold you know, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, actually, it's it's so often I just meet the meet these people um, who they've been through so much more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're still positive and trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, man, if that's, if, if, if that's how they're seeing life, what the heck have I got to complain right. about? And what, right. what, you know, why the hell should I slack off? Right. Well, and Brian, I'm sure, amazing I'm sure you're that like. person to other people with the work y'all are doing through the food bank and just impact in Houston. And we thank you so much for calling in and hope to stay in touch. Great. Y'all have a wonderful time. You have a good one, Brian. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Growing Up in America by Children at Risk. If you enjoyed the discussion, we will be here next week. From 1 to 2, we do this for, for children. children. This is KPFT Houston, 90.1 FM and FM HD1. What is dedication? The thing that drives me every day as a dad is Dariana. We call him Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org.